Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Murph here. Believe it or not, we've made it to episode 300. Unbelievable. Cannot believe we've done 300 episodes of the little podcast that could. So thank you to everybody who's allowed us to get to this stage We've had some incredible guests over the time. I'm not going to name them all because it would take you know a little bit too long. And I do have someone with me here whose time I'm keen not to waste too much. You notice there's no stocks yet. Stocks is going to be joining. He's just going to be running a few minutes late. So don't worry. The party's just going to get started without him. And like a true professional, he's going to arrive fashionably late. So, but my guest today, luckily, is not fashionably late because otherwise you'd be listening to me. It is the man who is the host of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, plus he has his own show on Sirius uh, Fantasy Show uh, over in the US, which we don't get here, unfortunately. But he's also the creator of Helicopter Guy, Ian Hartis. Welcome to Five Yard Rush. It's been a real honor to have you here. 
Thanks for having me on, man. Happy uh, 300 to you and the co-hosts and all the listeners out there. We were talking about that before the show, but it's a grind, man. I know, uh, you know, in the fantasy industry, particularly if, you know, you don't have that just massive platform to start, you know, things can get rough, but you just got to keep pushing through it. And eventually, you know, the good content will rise to the top. So, you know, credit to you for uh, sticking with it and getting here, man. Wow. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's been, it's been a real highlight year this year, whereas there's been a lot of downs with the pandemic. Um, You know, we, we got, a couple of really significant milestones we've done over 100 podcasts this year to hit 200 and 300 this year is is awesome uh we released our first book which is awesome as well um and we got invited to the king's classic and get to play against great souls like yourselves and unfortunately for antonio gibson getting injured and costing us a place in the, in the playoffs when we drafted cmc number one as well uh i feel like we did all that grind to get to a winning record of seven and six and not getting in is is tough but you made it i believe in the snake I'm in the snake. The uh, auction one, I started day drinking a little early that one. I was making some very questionable uh, decisions that came back to bite me in the end. But uh, snake, we are sitting pretty. Got to buy, I think. So we'll yeah. see what happens. You absolutely crushed it. I think at the auction, it, if I'm right, I think you took like four or five quarterbacks. You took a so, lot. <laughs> all right. This is what happened in the auction. We'll just clear this up. First of all, my first ever auction draft. And I had no, no way, idea. Saying- really? I, yeah, and I did not know this thing was going to take like five hours or yeah, whatever it did. So I had plans at like four. So I was like, All right, I just want to use up my money and then get out of here and we'll see what happens. So first thing, Ezekiel Elliott went up there and I was in like a tick for tat battle. We were going like 60, 61, 62. I was like, fuck this. I go like 74. I jump by like $10. I get Zeke. And then uh, Pat Corain from Established to Run is like the biggest Ronald Jones truther ever. So when yeah, Ronald yeah. Jones came up, I was just like, oh, I'm going to beat Pat. No matter how much it takes, I'm going to beat Pat. Also overbid on Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. The team ended up like five or seven, made some uh, yeah. savvy waiver moves to make up for it. But yeah, certainly wasn't my finest hour. You know what? I'll, I'll be more prepared for future auction so i love that you know the interesting thing with with pat um as well is he actually was a last minute replacement um silva right (laughs) yeah because silva unfortunately was in a car accident i don't know if you heard did you know this I didn't. Are, 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 for real? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know he's okay. So yeah, I'm yeah, no, yeah. This was on it. on so on draft day. We turn up for the uh, for the snake draft, which was first. We had a Zoom going. There's a few of us on there, and then Bob is messaging on the side. Uh, this is Bob Lung, and he was saying that how, um, yeah, apparently heard from Evan. Evan's okay, but yeah, he got into a, a, an accident, um, and the auto pick for him was absolutely horrific it auto picked him i think it's six tight ends it literally every round was taking him a tight end but you're right that's what happened to me after i left <laughs> yeah, i was like all right you it's, it's cool. fill out my roster like what's the worst thing that happened i ended up with like five quarterbacks i was like cutting tom brady in week three <laughs> i picked him up i was like right, there we go him. yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll have tom brady it's fine yeah no. throwed out some trades there's just nothing i was like all right i'm tired of this that was awesome. oh well it was good fun so let's do a little bit of background on those in the uk for some reason who haven't heard of you and i don't know why they they haven't um how did you get into talking about fantasy football um and and just getting into into the space altogether 
Yeah, man, I've always loved football uh, first and foremost. I mean, fantasy is fun, but for me, it was like ever since I could even remember being five or six. I mean, when I was like six years old, I was emailing, uh, not emailing, it was it was regular mail then, but I sent in like play designs to Be- Bill Belichick and Bo Parcells, <laughs> and their uh, PR offices were kind enough to send me a letter back. I just always just loved the game and the strategy behind it. I played up until uh, college. Well, I, I was Division three, nothing special. Got got hit in the head a few few, few too many times, so I just decided to you know retire. I was never going to the NFL or anything like that. But at that point, you know, all of a sudden you got a bunch of extra time and stuff. And I just, again, I've always loved football. So I just emailed every uh, writer I could find NFL fantasy, whatever. And was like, Hey, I'm pretty good at, you know, Excel and research you guys, write. Let me research ideas for you. You guys can then write about it and it'll be free and, you know, help let, let me help you basically. And maybe I can get my foot in the door. Luckily, uh, Jonathan Bales, who ended up founding uh, fantasy labs was pretty much the only guy about probably a hundred. I reached out to, he uh, accepted it. We end up working together and doing some uh, good business. So, you know, I owe a lot of my uh, good fortune to Jonathan Bales. And then, you know, really once I got shot, just never stopped grinding. And here we are. That's amazing. I've, you know, I, I always ask everybody that question. I, I love the fact that you just did it there. You did it the hard way because you did it like just literally grinding, knocking on doors. Normally you get people who go, well, yeah, I started my own website or I started my own podcast or I started whatever. And someone heard it and picked it up. And yeah, you went, you went the hardcore route. So <laughs> mad respect. So how did you come? Because you recently joined PFF. I think it was in the off season when Jeff Ratcliffe left. So how, how did that come about? How did, you know, did they come to you? Did you, did you go to them? Like how did, how did it all transpire that you ended up as the guy at PFF for fantasy football? Yeah, I've been uh, fortunate enough not really have to go to anyone over the past few years. They've just kind of reached out if, uh, you know, I fit the billing, but you know, I, I was at fantasy labs was turned into action network uh, for three years. After that, I went to Roto world for a year. So, you know, I might be young and I might be young in years. I'm a veteran of this game. I feel yeah. like at this point, you know, plenty really? of years uh, before that, you know, just part-time and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I know PFF had the opening and uh, they came to me. The big sell for me was man, like, all the credit in the world to those Roto World guys, because I don't think people realize like how much of a grind doing news is. And, you know, when I used to head up the Fantasy Labs NFL news account, I mean, bro, it's 50 plus hours a week during the season, just staring at TweetDeck and immediately responding to shit. So I was trying to do all that while also trying to, you know, compete with the best and the best in podcasts and articles. So PFF has really been my first employer to just say, you know what, produce whatever content you want and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it and uh, we trust you. So just only getting the focus on content this year has been great. Still, still awfully busy and uh, working hard, obviously, but I just feel like, you know, uh, over a certain point in time, hopefully you can prove yourself that you're good enough at what you're doing. And then, you know, hopefully shed some of the BS work that again, it's not BS work. It's very important work, but Mm. stuff that maybe you're not as fond of. I think this applies to any job, you know, as you go up, you do less of the, uh, you know, stuff you don't want to do anymore. And so that's pretty much what I'm able to do. Yeah. And and then you also get to focus on the stuff that you care about more and, and the exactly. stuff you get known yeah. for. And it becomes more fun. You you got to pay your dues and you definitely paid yours mm-hmm. over over the years. So it's well deserved. And you get to work with with, you know, the likes of Dwayne McFarlane, who's over there now. He's a friend of the well, show Dwayne. and got a lot of time for Dwayne. He's that utilization report is just phenomenal. Ooh, he does it is, he man. Just... I, I have Dwayne on the my uh, game, my game breakdown pod like every yeah. other week. And that dude always comes loaded man i mean you know you think you think you're diving in depth uh, with splits and uh you know all these different uh backfield things but then you talk to Dwayne, it's like there's a whole there are levels to this game uh, unbelievable yeah i i do not know physically how he gets the time to do that apparently now it's he gets <laughs> sent stats and he can then uh digest you know digest and, and look at it but i think originally he was telling us he's been doing this for like 20 odd years and he's saying originally it was watching all the tape literally the, to every play every snap over and over again to make sure he charted it right and i was just like Phew. i tell you i don't know how you do that and maintain a job and a family and all those other things <laughs> so man, man respect 
Who's your Who's your NFL team? Who's the team that you root for on Sundays? It's the uh, Cowboys. My mother wouldn't have it any other way. I haven't got my uh, <laughs> Merry Xmas Dez hey. Christmas sweater on right now. I was so bummed when he couldn't play. I wanted him to score. And that revenge game is so bad. But, yeah, I will say, uh, you know, I saw some other – I think uh, Mike Clay and a couple other guys were talking about us on Twitter this week. But, really, I, I feel like once you are in this industry for, you know, maybe five years or so and you do have to be as objective as possible because if you're not going to be objective, you're not going to be good at your job. Uh, once you kind of got to do that, I've definitely, you know, settled down in terms of the fandom. And, you know, I, I, I don't have an issue at all with, uh, you know – not you know not letting the cowboy fandom seep into my work i i enjoy being more of an ignorant ohio state fan these days you know, <laughs> than, uh, than, than caring too much about happens with the cowboys because ultimately i mean we all want these we all want the best uh for these players and you know for it's it's one of those things where support players over the teams but if i had to pick you know of course the cowboys still yeah of course absolutely i i, I agree with that although i still have my buccaneers uh spurs on most most weeks and hey, uh, there you go i still have a a slight um slight at the at the saints every now and again um but i feel like it's friendly and it keeps it Nothing wrong with it that, keeps yeah. it motivated especially as i've not had much to cheer about for 12 years you've got to have <laughs> some anger one way or the other um talk to us about helicopter guy because I, I i know i've followed you for a long time i've I, i've seen it what it is and some people see it probably don't know who, you know who he is and first of all how did you come up with the idea uh, in, in terms of you know, what did that do for you when you created that that persona on Twitter? Because people just love him. Like it just comes down. It's just it's just awesome. It's uh it's wild, man. I've been doing it for a, a few weeks now. Basically, the, the whole thing started last year, week one. I was just scrolling mm-hmm. on Twitter and I was really thinking that Sean Jackson was gonna go off against the Washington at that point. They were called the Redskins yeah, yeah. back in the day, uh, when they were called the Redskins. But uh, and then the Los Angeles Chargers Twitter account had some deal, but they actually I stole the helicopter from the Los Angeles Chargers, breaking news. Uh, you know, so I just copy pasted the Twitter art, but they they were advertising some sale, and I just said, you know, the DJ's going for a hundred plus and two touchdowns, and he did. Yeah. And I, I I missed a couple. I remember like Curtis Samuel, Marquise Brown crash, but then I hit like four in a row or something. I'd some point and people were really getting behind it and it was fun man because like i've never been uh you know someone like okay i'll, I'll bark about aj brown but i don't you know i've never been a fan of taking a constant victory laps we can all go back and yeah. dig through all you know I, I write and talk about every single player every single week i mean if i really wanted to stroke my ego that much i could you know you could you could try to go out there and do that if you really felt like about it. i think it's a waste of time so you know you, mm-hmm. you we'll, we'll own the wins own the losses and this is what it is but it was very fun having that because again I, i'm not posting my you know DraftKings winnings mm-hmm. i'm not sitting here after the year saying how many leagues I won and all that so uh you know it was fun having the helicopter guy as you know that way that form of of that because again you know I'm, I'm not not a fancy pros rankings I don't like uh singular things because again we've talked about all the work that goes into this mm-hmm. I don't like you know being represented by one single thing and in, uh, in, in America you know we have SAT ACT for high school mm-hmm. kids and so often that one test score just you know takes away everything else that someone can bring to the table so when I start off one in ten uh or one in nine or whatever it was uh this year you know I got the you know a windless monkey off my back but it was just getting to the point where i thought i was doing really good work but there was a growing uh subset of people i was just like this hardest guy is trash because he can't predict and the thing about the helicopter play the whole point was to pick a my obscure. rules were under five or under 10 percent non-top five obscure play yeah to your point so uh once it got out of the dfs industry and a little more uh, into the real world uh, yeah, it was less, uh, uh, less cool. And to your point, a lot of people loved it. And a lot of people were very kind, but for yeah. some reason, you know, a, a hundred people can say a nice thing and a couple say a mean thing. And those are the ones that stick out. So ultimately call me soft, whatever, but it was getting to the point where, you know, I could, I could lose, you know, thousands of dollars on Sunday or my helicopter could crash and I'd feel worse about the helicopter. Mm-hmm. So 
I've just been taking some time away from it and I feel much more at ease. I think that's fair. I, it's a shame that people do that because at the end of the day, if you just represent it for what it is, it's you're, you're taking your shot. It's a literally a, a, a crapshoot. You know, I, I, so what I, one of the things I do on the site is I, I built a, uh, a point against streaming metric. So in terms of what I do is take uh, stream plays of uh, players that are under 30% owned and I try and see where I finish up at the end of the season in every position. And, you know, I'll get some people who, who you know, will follow it by a religion, right? And they'll say, oh, well, you selected um, Gus Edwards and he didn't go off. And I was like, well, yeah, when I selected him, he was going to be a number one running back that week. And then, <laughs> and then everyone comes back off the COVID list and he doesn't get a touch. That, that's what happens. Like, it's just, it's just madness that people just like, I guess it's because they care about their own fantasy teams and they just like to follow people and, and take that advice. But it, it annoys me that there's so much hate over that. And it's such a small minority as well. It's, it's as you say, it's, it's one or two in a hundred or not even that from my experience, but People just have to say something. You just think, oh, why? Just keep your mouth shut. I would just choice. say, and, and, and look, I don't, I don't even like to be the guy that says, you know, the process was right, damn the results. Because, yeah. you know, at some point you want the, the good process should lead to good results at some point, obviously. But I, I will say, you know, everyone out there that waits until, you know, the game's over to be like, oh, sick pick, man. Like, you fucking idiot. Like, how about you, if you really think someone's wrong, just once. Tell me on Friday why you think I'm wrong and let's yeah. see what happens. And hey, there's something <laughs> I do. And that's great. Like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to predict the best play just like anyone else is. Like, it's, I, I'm not trying to, why the hell would I want to be wrong? I want to be right more than anybody's. But, uh, you know, it's like, hey, if, if you really feel strongly about being incorrect, don't, don't wait till Sunday at 4.05 when the game's over. Let's hear why before. Because again, if we all want to be correct, we all should all want to improve the process. So very rarely uh, do these trolls have uh, an issue yeah. with the process. It's usually purely the result. Which is fine. And, and that's why they are where they are. And that's why you are where you are. <laughs> it's all good. It's, that's usually the most annoying part about my day. So I, I can take random internet strangers occasionally <laughs> saying mean things about me. I can take it. You better mad at me. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't mind it. I've decided to go away from really like bad, like angry or not angry, but I, I now really snarky. So if I see something that's just like or just a ridiculous take or someone has just said something without doing the work, I just come back with something incredibly snarky. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and people, it, it's taken in such a way that it's it's it could be excused as jokey, but it's not. <laughs> so it's just like that fine line. So if someone gets too angry, it's like, Lomac, can you not take a joke? Like, what's wrong with you? But right. also, it gives, it gives me the out if I need it. But really, it's just being a bit snarky. And I find like that's how I can exist on Twitter without like investing too much hatred or anything it's a good time i love it most part (laughs) in terms of obviously you did this the hard way you ground you worked your butt off to get to where you got to uh and where you are now and and where you might go in the future but what advice would you give to anybody and it doesn't have to be necessarily about football or soccer or or model trains or cricket or whatever but in terms of wanting to do something with their passion they listen to how you've gone up they listen to how we've done it or whoever what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into writing or blogging or podcasting? I just say there's always enough time in the day. You can always wake up earlier. You can, you know, not go to that happy hour and, you know, get that article done. Like, you know, we make a lot of excuses for ourselves and look, 
you, you, people got families we got jobs I, I don't like i don't agree with the notion that you need to drop everything you're doing mm-hmm. just follow your passion that's not realistic i mean you got to make money like there are real world problems with these type of things that you got to solve so i understand every situation is different but you know there's always going to be something your family's going to have issues your personal life is going to have issues you know maybe you have money issues there's always going to be stuff but if you truly want to turn this passion into you know some sort of mo- a monetary stream for you it's going to take a couple years before you're going to be able to make money and because of that you just need to find the time to you know write, dude I, I write every single day like truly and i have been for the last several years i understand that's because you know, i'm a full-time writer i should probably be writing every single day but even when you're not and you're striving to be that you're going to want to try to get close to that man so whatever it is you're doing you know even if it's once a week and you can't do it anymore like just make sure you do it once a week because i know again we were talking about this before like man i remember all those articles i wrote that probably got you know 10 views and what i started doing and uh, you know i could help me get better at Twitter was just like, I was getting, you know, tired of doing all this work and just never getting any sort of feedback from it. I was like, all right, well, I might as well tweet out, you know, the cool stats I'm finding. So at least they're going out there somewhere because it's a waste otherwise. So, you know, I, I understand it can be very tough when things aren't uh, moving forward. That's why I was giving you props for getting episode 300, man. Like it, it's tough to go through the grind when you're not seeing the results and uh, you know, you're not getting the views and all that. It is a numbers business, but early on, I just think it's, no one's going to be great at what anything they're doing. No one's gonna be truly great. I think until, you know, you're putting your 10,000 hours in your four or five years of just being obsessed with it. So you just need to put in the time like anything and try to make it, even if it's, you know, four or five hours sleep nights from time to time, make time. I'm with you a hundred percent. And I think it's important that if you can't do that, you have to then ask yourself why you want to do it because it's, it's almost like a sickness is a disease in you. You want to, you want to do it because you're obsessed. As you say, you, you know, I still work a full-time job. I still work 50 hours a week and I still have time to write articles every day or podcast or do this and do that. And I have a family. It's hard. Like it's hard. People ask me how you do it. It's just cause I want to, it's not cause I, I have this burning desire. You know, I don't need to quit my job for this one. Cause I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty well paid. I'm not like uber rich or anything. No, I'm I don't... with you, man. Look, I went to a very uh, good college and I was making more as a consultant. My first, year. I, I, I just now like, past what i was like I, I could be making way more money if i had stuck with a consulting job but yeah. no i think you're exactly right about the obsession thing. Uh, one quote i really like uh from conor mcgregor say what you will about the guy as a person I love but him. okay great i love him too but um, i understand you know he's got his uh you know not, not so fans there, but but he says you know he, he's not talented he's he's obsessed and you know anyone can get there i don't know about that i think you know some of that left-hand power uh, comes a little bit from those genes so i'm not saying some people don't have you know better advantages than other i do you know think that uh you know if there's Certainly people that are more talented, but being obsessed, you know, hard work beats talent unless talent works hard. So, you know, just truly at the end of the day, the best thing you can do for yourself is to work hard regardless of how talented you are. Love that. So let's talk about 2020. We're into week 14 now. Playoffs for 98, 99% of people. Let's tell a couple of leagues that do week 15, week 16 playoffs in this regular season. But let's just assume that they're all done and dusted. How did your regular season go this year in terms of the number of leagues you played in and playoffs? I know you said you don't like to shout about it, but (laughs) I'm just going to pick your brain. Because it's a COVID year as well. There's so many different variables in play this year that that weren't that haven't been in play before it, it, that's why it's, it's all a bit new for everyone this year i mean how did, how did you get on yeah i joined uh this usually i was sitting around three leagues and this year i jumped up to six i think i need to dial it back i ended up going three for six in the playoffs so you know we got 50 50 not bad but uh you know i feel like i pissed off the fantasy gods at some point i'm looking at some of these leagues uh, that i didn't make it wondering what went wrong and you know sometimes you're like well i'm fourth in point score but oh dead last in points against i mean sometimes it's just it's as the answer can be just hey fantasy football is a 
random game at a time and shit happens. I mean, dude, my, uh, I'm the, it's pathetic, but I'm in an eight man league with my uh, college friends. And this is one, like, I really care about bro, this team. And I'm sure we all have one out there, but I've had Dak, Burrow, Saquon, Eckler, Fuller, Gibson, George Kittle, all on one team. So it's like, you know, I look at this and I'm like, okay, well, this sucks. I'm not in the playoffs and you are what your record is. But at some point, it's like, man, we can't predict these injuries. So everyone that wanted, like, look at all these, you know, quote unquote, injury prone players coming in this year. You know, your James Connors, your Will Fuller, everyone that people were taking a stand against. I even had someone in my mention this morning trying to say, like, I knew I knew something was going to happen with Will Fuller. That's why you can't draft a guy. Like, shut the <laughs> hell up with that. But, uh, you know, yeah. So, uh, lo- lo- long story short, good, not great. Look forward to getting better in 2021. And you, look, you're still alive. You're in three, three, four. Yeah, there we go. Playoffs. If you I win three wins. Yeah, exactly. if, you get, if you get a champ or two champs or three champ leagues, and you know, you take that all day long. There we go. <laughs> What's your favorite format to play? Uh, I'm still a season long sucker, but you know, I think if I take down the Millie maker this Sunday, I'll have a different answer come Monday about what my favorite one is. But uh, no, I, I just, you know, I joke about it on Twitter a lot about, you know, motivating the team and, you know, moving, moving Julio Jones from wide receiver one to flex to try to provide a spark. Like it's all jokes, but I do kind of enjoy like the camaraderie you kind of build with that team. You know, it's, you have it. And I, I do agree that, you know, drafting is the most fun part and it can be a, grind to do waivers and all that and, and you know if your best player gets hurt and your team's just fucked you know dfs at least you get to start uh over every, every week and all that but i i do think you know season long was the first one i ever got into and i think at the end of the day I'm, I'm still a sucker for that one i am too unfortunately it comes draft time and i just have to do so many leagues and uh <laughs> we do a lot of listener leagues i think we did 17 listener leagues this year Ooh, um, damn. I won't tell you how many teams I had. Um, <laughs> it was a, a ridiculous amount. I'd say I'm over here complaining about six, and you got that many. We were talking about Dwayne earlier. That dude, I think, said he's in like 24 like high stake like dynasty leagues. Like, yes, bro, see, that's how do you find the time? <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, I, I'm in 70 leagues. Oh my god, 70? Yeah, like I'm not in... not best ball. Not best ball. Oh I got a whole God. load of those on the side. <sighs> so I've been oh, 70 brother. combination. It's 18 dynasty and 52. <laughs> 52 each <laughs> Just grab a bottle Wednesday night and uh, know, see Tuesday, how many teams you can knock out before you pass out. Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday night is is horrific. Tuesday night <laughs> is four hours of doing of doing waivers, which is just uh which is just I'm, nuts. A, I'm over here complaining about six and you got 72. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, who knows I got, how many you've forgotten about by now? Yeah, there's, there's, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I will say this I managed to set a lineup in every single league, okay. every single respect, week, respect. but yeah, and I'm so thankful there are weeks now where I've got teams not playing. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm sitting there like. Oh, I only have to set like 42 lineups this like, week. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the money. I didn't want to make those playoffs anyways. Yeah. It's better. <laughs> uh, or luckily I've got with some with some buys. So I'm like, oh, cool. I can oh, have a week go. off and then I'll yeah. probably lose some teams this week and it will go through. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all really good fun. So let's talk about this then. Week 14. Actually, though, before that, this year I found it to be incredibly strange, not just COVID and extra IR spots and lots of players going in and out on three weeks boomerangs and things like that but do you have anything that you think from this year and i appreciate this is super early so i'm not looking for like an in-depth analysis of anything any trends that kind of just stick out that you think for 2021 right i'm gonna file that away and uh and 
and use this for next year, whether it's something about positional or, or anything. Yeah, the big thing that I want to like investigate this offseason that I'm really interested in is like, you know, the Tyler Lockett conundrum. Like, mm. what really is better? Do you want someone that can maybe get you 15 points more often or someone that can explode and win your freaking week, even if that only happens a few times a year? So that's a question that I don't know the answer to right now, but I'm very intrigued by it because I think that people might be uh, freaking out. Like, I, I think maybe those 40, you know, 30 plus point boom performances could be more valuable uh, than people are letting on. But just, you know, I went back and looked at my like preseason, uh, you know, my guy list and my fades and look, I missed on Darren Waller. Probably didn't be as worried about old man, Jason Witten uh, as I was before. And, you know, just, I, I think target hogs, you know, if we want to take a chance on someone, it should be a potential target hog. And that's what Waller was. So even though they were adding new pieces, we at least had a season of evidence. So, you know, missed on Chris Herndon, probably should more worry about the freaking jets. That one I don't care as much about because you're taking a right. guy into 15, round anyway but you know fading Fournette and Gurley worked out you know just these running backs that are older changing teams or have that you know potential you know AJ Brown Adam Thielen were top 10 guys for me throughout the summer again you know Thielen just the targets and natural talent so weird year uh you know again I don't have any just over encompassing uh big takeaways right now but I would say you know as a you know one guy I work with that Roto World really sharp dude Josh Norris but he's always like you know fans fall doesn't need to be hard pick good players from good offenses and I think you know for the offseason particularly you know I, I mean last year I remember once the uh, XFL stopped, I was straight into pretty much uh, grind mode. And that was like in mid-March. So, you know, we spend freaking five, six months sometimes. And then sometimes I criticize how much our industry, uh, you know, overvalues rookies because we spend February through March just focusing on the draft. And because of that, we overvalue them in fantasy football. But, you know, this, the opposite can be true as well. And I think I may have fell into that a little much like Anthony Miller, just – you know, right. expecting too much out of complimentary options on like bad offenses, pretty much Gardner Minshew. Like, well, what are we even messing around with them? Jaguars, unless we're <laughs> grabbing, unless we're able to get, you know, someone like James Robinson off waivers or something like that. But, you know, just m maybe just draw a line on those, you know, teams uh, that Vegas says aren't going to win even seven games and be like, okay, I'm taking one guy from them. If the value's right, otherwise I'm out. Yeah. I, it, it's crazy. I mean, I got to do a lot of analysis. The one thing that's really struck out for me this year. And I think more than anything is, are we starting to see the rebound of the quarterback, the premium quarterback? I like that call. Because we, we got to the point where it literally was take a quarterback late. It doesn't matter. You're fine. And this year, the cream has really risen to the top. I mean, you've got the top six quarterbacks are separated by 20, 34 points-ish. So, all right, you're looking at, you know, two and a half points a game. You, you can swallow that at the position. But then there's a massive drop of like another 30 points just to like the next tier. And it's really starting to tear off now in, in, in all these different realms. And you're like, I now am at the point where, and if you hit, if you took your quarterbacks, I mean, obviously if you took Jackson, you missed and you deserve it for taking a quarterback that early. <laughs> but if you were taking Kyler in the fifth, Wilson in the sixth, Josh Allen in that range. Dak for a bit. Dak for a bit. Yeah. And, and Deshaun Watson seventh. Those are the guys that hit this year. Like if you took your quarterbacks between rounds five and eight and you pick one of the guys that was going there as an ADP wise, all right, Dak, you couldn't see that coming, but he was going to have an all an all pro year. It looks like that's the round to take QBs now and not wait till that. Because if you were waiting for later guys, okay, if you picked up Tannehill's not killed you. If you picked up Herbert, you're laughing. <laughs> but everyone else really, I mean, like her cousins is the QB 12. Yeah, <laughs> like there's such a drop. He's a hundred points behind Mahomes. No, um, man, and I just pulled it up right now, looking at just most fantasy points per game by QB 
NFL history, like four of the top five have come since 2018. The game is changing. It's now easier to throw the ball than ever. And with these dual threats that we're now seeing, Lamar and Kyler just putting up stupid rushing numbers. Even guys like Mahomes just still have a great rushing floor. I, I, I think uh, your point, particularly in two QB or super flex leagues, I don't think you can leave the first five, six rounds without a quarterback. If you're trying to get two at the bottom of the barrel, man, not looking good, but no, yeah. And uh, maybe I think the rookies, the rookies are starting to mm-hmm. maybe not develop into amazing real life quarterbacks to start, but we're starting to see them put up points faster and faster. Like Herbert and Burrow before Burrow got hurt, they were both just going to shatter all the rookie records we were seeing. So particularly if they can be in a, you know, off, Offense like the Chargers, where we do see a lot of skill position weapons. You know, look at the quarterbacks that people have written off uh, in terms of Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, just written off before they even took an NFL snap. I am done doing that. I said that before Herbert this year, where, you know, hey, it's good to study the guys in college and what they bring to the table. But until we see them play NFL snaps and just because, look, you don't need to be a good real life quarterback to be a good fantasy quarterback. So be careful about, you know, completely writing dudes off. And that goes for, you know, Brashad Perryman, Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. Football players can get better or they can go to a better situation that brings brings out better production out of them yeah 100 percent. i think that's the thing i'm going to work on most in the offseason is look at these quarterback situations and think is there now a situation because i was just never taking the qb before round nine just wasn't happening and and round nine had to be a very special circumstance like it had to be someone who had fallen like i think i got russell wilson in one year and this year in the ninth round in the draft and you're like great i'm having that all day long (laughs) he can go to the bank um, but yeah, I think I think that's something I want to dig into. But be interesting to see what happens. Let's talk about week fourteen. Let's go and win some people some ships now. We need to get them through this week um, because it's a do or die week. Generically, do you have a playoff strategy that you follow that's that's league agnostic, so it doesn't have to be like scoring or anything? But do you like block players, or do you pick up additional players that people can't pick up, or do you do something that kind of just gives you an edge, even? With regardless of who's on your roster and what the scoring system is? I, I think I kind of treat it the same almost, man. It's just like one week season again and again and again. Like when I got in this industry, it was fancy Labs, which was all DFS. So I think I've kind of taken that line of thinking in the season long. So yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, it, you know, at this point, I, I would say usually around a, a week ago is when you should have been kind of surveying the whole fantasy playoff maps and, you know, potentially adding someone. But I think it's always just looking at your roster during any given week, checking out who's out there. You know, even, even if you're good at running back, if you see Ty Johnson's out there and you can get him just to stop someone else from getting him because you have some useless wide receiver on the bench. Like, yeah, definitely do that, but you should be doing that every week. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, so I would say overall strategy doesn't, you know, change too much. Uh, just, you know, go with the boom and let's try to take home that championship. I love that. Um, and you obviously have a lot of experience and then also you've got PFF information at your fingertips now. Um, so, what are for people who are sitting here like right they're really invested this is the time of year i think engagement just goes through the roof because you're now playing for something tangible and real whether it's cash leagues whether it's your home leagues whatever it is where is other than the pff fantasy football podcast where is the best places that people can get information that's going to give them that competitive edge whether it's certain followers on twitter whether it's following beats beat reporters i don't know anything that people can use to get that that 1%, 5% edge. 
it's all all pieces of the puzzle, man. That's the one thing I think, uh, you know, PFF gets a little bit unfairly judged sometimes for having the player grades. Like, no, you should not use a one, a one single player grade to totally talk about a single player. I don't think anyone from PFF is even saying that. Is it, you know, pretty much the best thing we have for a lot of these positions, though? Yeah. Like, it's one of these things where everyone's like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, look at look at this linebacker. They say he's ranked, you know, 23rd. How can it be that? It's like, all right, there's nothing better than it. And I'm not saying we need to just solely judge the guy on it, but all we're trying to do is quantify what we see on film. They're like, how these guys don't watch the game? That's all we're doing. We're trying to take what we see on the film and quantify it so we can better judge it. And look, sometimes the numbers, like I remember looking at uh, some, and not to hate on next gen, they do fantastic stuff. I love their speed and all that, but they had a separation metric and I don't think anyone really has separation, right? But Jimmy Graham was leading the league in (laughs) separation. So like clearly- Clearly, that's a metric we don't pay attention to. Like, there are times where just because it's a metric doesn't mean it's, you know, watch the film so we know which metrics matter and which ones don't. And we can tell by stuff like that that it's not a metric we should be using. But PFF has just, I think, they give you, again, it's all about you yourself need to try to figure out what's important. And PFF gives you everything you need to try to figure out what exactly is important. You know, the snap rates in terms of, you know, a lot of companies have snaps, but you can't find it in terms of slot out wide in the Mm -hmm. backfield, all this. All right. Snaps are great for wide receivers. We care about routes and you're able to, you know, siphon off stuff like that uh, much easier than anywhere else, you know, just efficiency stats, yards per run on just a route basis, you know, on deep ball specifically play action. You can, you can, you can better understand matchups. I think with uh, PFS, breadth of stats than pretty much anybody else at this point and the fact that you know it's just easily uh, decisible decipherable i don't even know if that's a word but we'll roll with it uh the fact you can just get it off you know a csv no problem i mean look i'm not i'm not one of these guys that knows a bunch of uh r you know super advanced uh you know programming stuff like that but i'm comfortable with uh v lookups and pivot tables in excel which you know it isn't easy but if you can literally learn those two things v lookups and pivot tables and you have a you know database like this i think you can answer pretty much any question you have about football at least to a level that's going to be you know to your point, 95, you know, plus percent better than most people. So, you know, go get yourself that database and, you know, just have a little bit of Excel use. And again, ask yourself questions. And I think you can get pretty much all of them answered. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's so important. And even if you're not an Excel whiz, you know, you can learn, but even just looking at those sorts of things. And actually I got into a debate with someone on Facebook um, this week, actually, because Someone when I put a thing on, we have a UK NFL Facebook group. It's, it's got like loads of thousands of people. It's not my group. It's someone else's. And I sometimes get bored of like the same questions and people popping up. It's all football takes. It's not really fantasy driven, right? So when I asked just a general question, what would be everybody's player of the year, coach of the year, blah, 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 blah. And one person put um, Patrick Queen and then someone bashed that pick saying, well, PFF have him rated as you know, 29.6 at linebacker and, you know, therefore he's bad because PFF says he's bad. And someone said, well, PFF are wrong. How could Patrick Green be 29.6? <laughs> and you sit there and think, okay, well, actually it depends on what you're grading on. So in a, a position like linebacker alone is different success factors. What is success to PFF is going to be very different to what Joe on the street thinks is success. Is well, and, it look pure at, and look at yeah. the other stats, like tackles. Like, doesn't Jalen yeah. Smith lead the NFL in tackles right now? Yeah. Watch one Cowboys game. You'll know Jalen Smith is not the best linebacker right. in the NFL. Amazing right. story. But, yeah, to your point, like, it's just, you know, it's one one stat. Yeah. And I think you just got to use it. And the more combination stats, as you say, and the, the wider scope, the, the better you are. And I, I asked this guy, I said, well, okay, so you, you think he's had a bad year, Patrick Queen, based off his PFF grade. How many Ravens games did you actually watch? 
And he's like, I watched two or three, and he doesn't <laughs> seem to be on the ball that much. And like, well, watch the rest of it. I'm not saying he should be a, the defensive rookie of the year, far from it. But I'm closer to him thinking he's defensive rookie of the year than I'm thinking he's complete garbage because he's yeah. had <laughs> he's had great games. He's he's had some bad games. He's been inconsistent, yeah. but he's shown up. He's been. I think you, you can value him as a, a player going forward. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But there are some people that love PFF so much, and I'm telling you this as feedback that they literally will defend their position purely using the PFF grade number without <laughs> actually watching any of the games themselves. <laughs> well, and I mean, look, man, whenever I write an article, like and if I'm talking about a running back being good, I never say like, you know, he's, you know, fifth in yards per carry. Like, so he's good. No, I'll give you like five or six different stats. Like, and, and that's my point. Like don't hold PFF grades to a higher standard than we do other stats. Cause I think we mm-hmm. all know QBR, you know, passer rating yards per attempt yards per carry. No single stat is good enough to fully encompass all, all a single player. Just like, again, no test score is good enough to, you mm-hmm. know, encompass a single human. So yeah, it's all one piece of the puzzle and, you know, put that together and we'll try to just, cause all, all we're trying to do is better evaluate players. And I think PFF, does get us closer to doing that i agree with that 100 percent. so let's look at some players this week that people can start and say let's start with starts and again excuse the the relevant or the the names that did not you know the jump off the page i mean if you're telling me to start i was about to say julio jones and then literally just got a notification saying he's not practicing today so probably not julio jones oh so he's not eh, practicing. It might just be rest. Might just yeah, be it could rest. be. He, he doesn't need a practice. He's a warrior. Yeah. Um, but who who are, say, you know, between three and five players that you think uh, are, are really good plays this particular week for uh, for people to take away and think, oh, okay, I've got him in my roster. Let's, let's plug him in. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, we have myself, uh, Kevin Cole, Nathan Yonke at uh, PFF. Uh, uh, we do our rankings, every, uh, uh, Andrew Erickson as well. And so I just went on that and looked at the guys I was just higher than consensus on. And uh, Tom Brady is one that pops out. He's my QB4 on the week. Only guys I'm starting over Tom Brady this week are Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and, of course, Aaron Rodgers facing the freaking Lions. But uh, Brady, look, I know it hasn't been super smooth, but you look at these games where it hasn't been great since, you know, the AB era started. Like, the Saints and the Rams shut them down. Those are the two best defenses. Uh, okay, two of the top three, along with Pittsburgh, in the league right now. And we saw them go for 300-plus and three scores against the Chiefs and the Panthers. And, oh, my goodness, man, we got the Vikings, the Falcons twice, and the Lions to close this out. Man, I'm you know, take a look at those Tampa Bay Super Bowl odds because I'm not I, – I know the Chiefs are the favorite, and they should be. But I'm just saying the NFC is still pretty wide open, and the Buccaneers, I think, could be entering the playoffs hot, particularly in this one. Vikings are 31st in pressure rate, 25th in yards per attempt allowed. We've seen it all year where, you know, it's – Surprising to see Mike Zimmer have a bad defense, but you know, just when they've shown flashes of looking okay, we see a good offense just really put them to shreds. So I think it's similar, you know, with the Broncos and the 49ers, where they're they're well coached and everything. They're not awful, but you you face something real sharp like this Tampa Bay offense could potentially be coming off a bye. Look the hell out. Start Brady and these wide receivers, honestly, uh, with confidence. Kenyon Drake's also someone that we need to realize it's not September anymore. He's uh, now given us really good production. He's a PPR RB 14 on the season, man. He's actually been a little bit better. I think people give him credit for, and I understand chase chase Edmonds is a much better receiver, but these outcries like to get Drake off the field. Like it, I think they're a little bit overstated at this point. You look at again, multiple metrics, PFF rushing grade, missed tackles, force per attempt, uh, you know, even yards after contact per rush. Like these guys are, it's either Drake or pretty much dead even. So it hasn't been like Edmonds is just mm-hmm. blowing them out of the wall water. Like we see, you know, with like a Tony Pollard 
Ezekiel Elliott uh, type situation. So uh, Kenyon Drake is someone that I think can be fired up as a top, you know, 15 option at the position. You know, Giants aren't an easy matchup, but 10th most PPR points per game to oppose in RBs. And with Kyler rushing less, we're seeing Drake get those goal line attempts and some targets. I mean, he's, uh, you know, even though Evans does get a handful of targets himself, we're finally seeing Drake get back in that three to five range. So he's finally got that workload we wanted him to have when we were firing up as a top 10 RB in the early parts of the season. And then finally, uh, J.D. McKissick, someone that I've been you know, yes. at, at odds with throughout the year. But new situation, man. Antonio Gibson, unfortunately, mm-hmm. looks like he's going to be missing this week uh, with a toe injury. And even if he does, he may, he's not going to be at 100%. And look, mm-hmm. McKissick, it does not make sense that we have a player – of McKissick's skill caliber getting this many targets and it doesn't make sense that you know just the simple act of catching a ball is worth an entire point in full point per reception leagues but it's the game we play man we gotta take advantage of this so McKissick last week you know 10 catches and he has freaking what is it I have it up here he has 34 I believe 34 I want to say targets in the slot or out wide this year like no other running back is even within like 15 of that so Washington is just making such a point week after week to feed this dude targets and now without Gibson in the picture man I think it's gonna be more than ever because Peyton Barber is I don't like to call anyone trash man but at some point when you're 68th among 68 running backs and you know pretty much every metric man you're at least not you know a recommended uh, player that should probably be out there all that often so McKissick Drake Tom Brady start him up with confidence and just guys I'm sitting you know Kyle Murray talked about this with Kenyon Drake but look man we take away Kyler's rushing ability it's like taking away targets from Alvin Kamara they're still a usable fantasy guy but just realize Kyler he's my QB 10 this week he's much more on that borderline than the top dude he was averaging the most fantasy points per game ever through like Mm -hmm. 10 weeks at the position it's unfortunate what's happened but we need to adjust accordingly Chase Claypool, unfortunately, we can't trust him, man. They played James Washington over him last week. I don't know why. I think Claypool is their best wide receiver, but as long as they're getting this funky and, you know, their passing game just not clicking, it's tough to go back to the wall there, man. Deontay Johnson's getting those targets in Ebron. Maybe they make the change at some point, but it's not particularly imminent. And I I know the Bills aren't a matchup to really be afraid of, but, you know, if Claypool is only going to be out there for 45, 50% snaps and half of those are going to be against Tredavious White, that's not great. Uh, And then finally, literally – this week, anyone on the Eagles because Jordan Howard came in. Now it's even a lower freaking ceiling for Miles Sanders. Now with Jalen Hurts under center, like sometimes dual threat quarterbacks help the running back because, you know, lanes are wider, defensive ends can't be flying down on read option looks and stuff like that. But at least this week, Saints, number one defense in the league of fantasy points per game out of the RBs. Like this is not the spot to expect Jalen Hurts in this run game to take off. Maybe next two weeks, they get the Cardinals and the Cowboys. Like pick up Jalen Hurts with the intention of potentially starting him in week 15, week 16, just not this week. And I think Miles Sanders is someone that unfortunately also falls in that trap. And then these wide receivers, you can cut them, man, because now it's, all of them. It's five. They're using five wide receivers. They made sure to get John Hightower out there for uh-huh. as much as Travis Fulgham, man. So, you know, if there's one guy ahead of all the rest. Maybe that's not the case. And of course we got the two, even the two tight ends, man, with Zach Ertz now eating in the gutter. Like just anyone on Philly should not be starting this week. I was going to ask you on that. I, I still feel okay that God, because the tight end position is so bad. They're Goddard's literally like a tight. He's a low end tight end one, but yeah. you shouldn't have much confidence. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, given the fact that the tight end position is so bad now that literally you can catch five balls for 40 and, and make the top 12 now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> wild, not, wild times we're living in. I know. I kind of feel like we should roll out there and see if, <laughs> see if we get those numbers. And it's interesting what you say about McKiss- McKissick as well, because his role now is kind of what I thought Antonio Gibson's role would be this year. I kind of thought he'd be the guy that'd be going out wide. He did that in college. That's what he did. Um, I'm surprised that didn't happen. And then on Brady, yeah, I mean, I watch the Buccaneers every week. They put bad teams to the sword. 
every the 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 bears on yeah he's on, yeah, he's he's on, on fine. it's a timing issue people are trying yeah. to call him a noodle arm like no you can no, still throw the ball on field just fine yeah it's just getting a page you know no preseason he's had rest now they would have practiced hard on the bye week absolutely i and listen they they have put bad teams to the sword away all season with the exception of the bears you know, you look at who they lost to this season. They've lost to, okay, the Bears on Thursday Night Football. That was embarrassing. But well, they, had some, they had a bunch of, like, wide receiver yeah. injuries, short week. I mean, not a road yeah. trip, but go you, on. And you have one of those games. You lose to the Saints twice, who were the best team in the NFC. That's fine. And then you lose to you lose to Kansas City. Like, you're, you're talking about you know, these teams and, and the Rams, no joke. None of these teams are a joke. And the Rams was close. It was three. If Brady makes one or two throws, they win the game. It just didn't Chiefs happen. ended up being fairly close, too. Yeah. I mean, after, after a rough start. <laughs> but they blow out. They blow out Carolina. They blow out Vegas. They blow out a lot of teams, especially all these bad teams. And then, as you say, they got the Falcons to come. I mean, they got the number one schedule. Brady's got number one schedule coming in on the back nine for the playoffs. So you've got, he's, he's got to yeah. be going and, and starting every week. And also, man, like it's almost better that their defense hasn't been playing as well for fantasy purposes. Cause now we're actually seeing them get into these shootouts. I mean, before it was almost like they were able to get up and uh, stuff like that. What do you think about Ronald Jones? Do you think he's actually going to be the guy moving forward or is Arians feeding us uh, some dog shit again? I kind of think, this time, Arians might be on or something because, like, w- at what point, like, Fournette's not Fournette hasn't given us anything in like over a month that's looked good. You know, I understand Rojo doesn't have the best hands in the world, but clearly he's their best running back with the ball in his hands. Maybe not 20 touches per week, but at, at a minimum, I think he probably will be the feature back here moving out. I think it's, I still think it will go to a combination backfield at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Rojo this week, I think, is the guy. I've, I'd fire up. I, I don't like Fournette this week, especially in the, the kind of game they want to play where they want to. Um, round a pound. I, I kind of see looking at the snaps, looking at the way that that game plays out and how they want to play. They want to use Rojo as the explosive back in the first half, build a lead, establish a lead, control the tempo. And they want to use Jones as that, that tempo kind of guy. And then in the second half, they want to bring in Fournette as like a finisher. So he's going to come in fresh legs with catches, control the pace. Again, Arians wants to control the tempo with the run. The problem is with, with what they're doing is the play. It, they need to change his offensive coordinator before Jones can be considered an elite running back because the play calling is too predictable. They, they, they run up, they, they, they call a pass play on 79% of second downs and 91% of third downs. They're using play action. So little, so right? little, they're probably 32nd, 31st, 32nd in the league. I haven't seen this week's stats to add to that in play action. So, you know, what's going to happen. First down's 50, 50 second down. They're going to pass the ball 79% of the time. Third down, they're past the ball 91% of the time. Mm-hmm. So you defenses know what they're lining up against. And so, you know, by, if they, if they can get the play calling right and start to use the run in adequate spots and start to use RPOs, then Jones is going to be more effective because on first down, they know that the Bucks are going to run the ball 50% of the time. So they, they're ready for it. And they know that he's not really going to get used on second and third down. So that's when I would start using that. Well, okay. We, if people, if I know this as a fan and, and <laughs> somebody who's a podcast, surely offensive and defensive coordinators in the NFL know yes. the Bucks only run the ball 9% of the time on third down. That's when I'd be using Rojo. I'd be using him on like a third and five. Just just have him cut loose because that's the sort of coverage and play. If they're setting up, he could go to the house. He's got the speed. Um, I just don't think they use him efficiently to to play to his success. And and I think they will use Fournette. I don't know why they signed McCoy. That one's really shame. That's a head scratcher. <laughs> yeah. I was really looking forward to him having a role, but it's not the case. But we'll see what happens. Let's do a quick uh, buy low, sell high. So for those of us in Dynasty who – 
haven't made the playoffs and we're struggling now. Um, we're looking to wheel and deal and sort of keep our season alive a little bit longer, shall we say. Is there anyone that you're looking to potentially buy low as of now that you think next season? I appreciate it's a crystal ball, we've got drafts, we've got free agency, anything can happen, right? But if you got sort of a, a buy low and a sell high that you would be looking at as a dynasty player this year? Buy low, Brashad Perryman. Go get this guy. One-year contract with the Jets. Hey, maybe they re-up. Might have Trevor Lawrence under center next year. And I just think that really for the past three years, he has looked awesome, man. Cleveland and Tampa and now with the Jets. I was talking to, uh, you know, uh, Evan Silva from Establish to Run, you know, pretty much the goat of our little fantasy football industry here. And his point was that Brashad Perriman's always been good. He just had this nasty PCO injury his first year in the league and he comes up and he's just not, wasn't really ever, ever sub for success in Baltimore. So whatever it is, just realize for the past three years at a minimum, Perriman's done nothing except ball. And you look at the options, man. Like to me, it's like the Robbie Anderson situation all over again, where we can go to the Packers. We could go replace Will Fuller for the Texans. Maybe go provide uh, Kyler Murray with a real field uh, stretching option. Hey, maybe go replace Marvin Jones uh, in Detroit. I can talk myself into freaking like 10 different teams where if Perryman goes there, I think he could legit be a top 20 wide receiver with good health in 2021. So still relatively young guy. I just think that again, man, the, his size and speed combo, you look at some of the plays he's made this year over Casey Hayward, you know, Byron Jones, like JC Jackson, just making some of the best cornerbacks in the league look very human for extended stretches of time. So Perryman, one of these guys where, you know, we need to realize he's playing really good football. And I think, uh, you know, the same to a lesser extent could be said to for uh, Nelson Aguilar as well. I mean, just because someone has burned us in the past. I mean, that was my biggest miss of like 2019 was not getting more on the Perryman train after Goblin and Evans had uh, gotten hurt at the end of the year. So just be, you know, m- make sure it's, it's always tough. We all have biases and stuff like that, but just really try to evaluate guys as much as you can uh, for who they are now moving forward. And I think Perryman has a chance to really continue to boom up. I would try to sell high, I think, on uh, Julio Jones at this point if we still can. Hey, he's been an outlier his entire career, man. Maybe he keeps on keeping on, but he turned 32 in January. This is his 10th year, and I was just looking back. So since 2010, really the only guys to uh, go ahead and just have a, over 1,000 yards in a, you know, their 11th or longer season, Andre Johnson – his last year was year 11. Steve Smith, his last great year was year 11. Reggie Wayne got to year 12 before his drop-off. 2019 was Edelman's, you know, year 11 season. Anquan Bolden, you know, had a little bit more success. Larry Fitzgerald was pretty much the only guy mm. to get past year 11 and keep putting up big numbers. And again, I would get it if Julio is, is you know, doesn't appear in that guy. But man, these nagging injuries, I feel like as these guys get older, they become less nagging. They become more full-blown injuries. So it feels weird, uh, you know, but I do think if Julio, if you can find someone still willing to buy him as the wide receiver one he's been you know for pretty much the past decade i think now might be the time to kind of cut your losses and uh or, you know accept your winnings you've gotten and then just try to look uh, elsewhere because good chance you know just based on the efficiency metrics he's still a great wide receiver he's no longer that just world beating overall wide receiver one that we saw for the better part of the past five years uh, yeah i love that i think that's so true and uh I- i'm with you on that i've been trying to shop julio in the league and it's not really i've not got anywhere near where i thought i'd get for him but you always got to keep trying. Hypothetical situation. Christian McCaffrey wins a lot of teams, a lot of a lot of leagues in the playoffs this year. So he goes, let's say he puts up, he averages 150 scrimmage yards in each of the next three games. Wins a lot of people, a lot of titles. People forgive what's happened in the season. Do you cash your chips in on Christian McCaffrey and trade him away? Or do you hold on to him? I think you hold on to him. I mean, they, he's got the long-term contract there. And we've seen the role that they use him in this new offense is – 
dude, he's averaging more PPR points per game this year than the last year somehow. I know it's only three games, but clearly they're fine still feeding him. I think we know with uh, the things Joe Brady has done there, it's a better overall offense. I, I'm I'm not a you know I don't know if Teddy's ever going to be a top ten quarterback, but I think at a minimum he'll be an above average one, uh, however long he's there. And you know he seems to be getting better. So no, I I think the issues that maybe we you know I, I was someone that was team uh, Saquon over McCaffrey, so I guess the answer was just no, you know, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, you know, I was just more concerned with uh, the offensive shift and the quarterback shift, and if they would continue dunking it down to him, you know, with reckless abandon. They are. So it's, it's fine, man. I think, uh, you know, you're still looking at arguably, you know, a top three running back really for the next three, four years. And McCaffrey could be someone that ages even better than most. So I, I think McCaffrey would be someone I want to hold on to. Hey, you know, everyone's, everyone's got a price. So if you can yeah. sell super high on him, okay. But uh, I think he's still someone that you're very happy with having on the squad. That's fair. I was seeing if you were tempted by any of the shiny new running backs, because this is a good running back class we've got coming in. You know, you could potentially ship ETN. Yeah, you got ETN, you got Hubbard, you got a few, you got a few in this class that I think are really, really, really good players and think that it could be tempting to grab a couple of those guys hoping that one of them hits, but then you've got the sure thing. I was just keen to get your thoughts. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I, I think about what would have happened if uh, ETN had declared and just gotten picked by the chiefs like six times a day. I, I'm down from about mm. 10, but I still wonder <laughs> you, uh, you, fl- you, you swap them out with Clyde. Oh my goodness. That guy is a home run hitter. Oh yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see where he goes in the draft this year, because I think he could be one of the highest drafted running backs we've seen in some time, but then, who knows? I've got this. Oh, so I've got this sneaky feeling that Jamar Chase is going to go to the Patriots. I we'll just, uh, and I've got this sneaky feeling that Hubbard is going to go. I think, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to put this on now. I think he's, he's potentially going to go to Philadelphia and he's going to end Miles Sanders. That is what I'm worried about. Sanders is good. Not great. His yeah. workload is usually great, but you know, he's not, He's not one of these. I don't think he's a top ten real life running back by any stretch. No, and and the Eagles do weird things in drafts. Although it's paid off with Hurts, you know, we sat here and thought, man, what yeah, they we'll do see. taking Hurts? But well, well yeah, man. I mean, but they they the foresight. There must have been something they didn't like in Wentz to do that, and it's potentially paid off for them. Well, we might not. About, but... Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Hurts is going to be great for fantasy, but I don't know, man. There was a I, look. I'm not. I haven't watched all of Hurts games. I know guys can improve, but. I'm not I, got, I, got, I got like JT Barrett vibes watching him throw sometimes, man. Like he just literally couldn't hit the broad side of the barn for like extended stretches. And it's concerning what, what that could do. And he's a good runner, but he's not Kyler. He's not Lamar. No, we'll see. Not, we'll see. Not, we're we're going to have at least this, the next few games to see and, and we'll see what happens. I, I know what you're saying though. The, I like the idea of draft, still drafting a quarterback in the second round, even though you thought you had your franchise guy, because if you hit on it, it is so valuable. So, to, to that, no matter how Hurts turns out, I, I'm fine with the selection, but I'm just saying we, we don't know yet with him. No, that's fair. Final question. Have you got a spicy, spicy hot fantasy take between now and the end of the season? Could be absolutely anything. It could be a player that everyone expects to be a home run that busts. Yeah. It could be a really obscure CG and uh, CJ Anderson is your home run hitter no, league I, winner. I, I just want to keep, I want to keep stroking your uh, Buccaneers ego. I, I think I all it. these guys, I think Brady, you know, I think Brady's going to be a top five QB rest of the season. I think Evans, Goblin, and AB can be at least top 24 wide receivers. And Rojo will be an RB1. I just think Vikings, Falcons times two, and the Lions fire up everybody. And I just pulled up the Super Bowl odds, man. 1,600. We're giving the Seahawks, Rams. We're calling the Buccaneers the number five seed in the NFC. 
I don't know about that, man. I still think that when you put it together, they have the best combination at their peak of offense and defense in the league. The Saints defense has really been coming, but man, we've seen this with the Saints. They are an incredible regular season team, but the second yeah. they play someone that's able to really force them to throw the ball over their heads, you know, problems happen. And, you know, like we were talking about before, I really don't think uh, Tom Brady has that same uh, issue. So I understand Saints have uh, taken to the Buccaneers a couple of times, but just based on these odds, I mean, Saints plus 500 compared to Buccaneers plus 1600. Yeah. Let's go. Give me 10. Just don't put your money on the Saints. You can put your money on any other team in the NFC. Don't put it on the Saints. They're I, not I, going yes. to the Super Bowl. I can see Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I would Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson definitely could. Not Rams defense is scary, man. I, they're I, my I, pick. I, yeah, that might really? pick in the end. Yeah, they might pick in the end. I think, I think they, I think that D mixed in with the so weapons good. that they have are just good. I think they, if you look at balance of the whole roster and everything they've got, I just think they're the most balanced. I don't think they've got the best QB. I don't think they've got the best offensive line. I don't think they've got the best. But I think they've got. If you take a cross section, I just think Seattle. Seattle, unfortunately for me, are just their D's going to let them down. The Packers can't stop the run. Um, I just go back to the NFC Championship game, 186 <laughs> yards uh, before contact were given up in that game. You, yeah. you know, the 49ers are giving you the blueprint how to beat them. And then the Buccaneers went and did exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know, people know how to beat the the Packers. They're going to beat a lot of really bad teams. They're going to be a lot of mediocre teams. They're going to be a lot of pretty good teams, but they're never going to beat the elite teams. I just don't see it. You know, they choked against the Colts. They've choked against these teams. They've had these tests all season and failed. For me, the only two teams, I think, or three teams, I think that can do anything and really scare the Rams, who I think they've got the best balance, the Saints, but they always choke. And the Buccaneers, who I just think against the elite teams are going to just come short. It might be pressure. It might yeah. be – I think play calling will ruin the Buccaneers' chances. I think that's – if you had a different OC, you had anyone there with a bit more experience and they varied the play calling, I'd be right there. I'm a bit more pessimistic. But I would say definitely I like the Rams to, to be the NFC champions this year. I just think coach, players, roster, balance – I think they got it all. I like I like what you can get for them. Yeah, I think that's all fair again based on what's happened. But I think, you know, again, just oh, yeah. projecting out what could happen at a minimum, you know, if the Buccaneers are able to fly through these last four games, I mean, we're gonna see those odds, you know, much closer to plus one thousand uh, by the time the playoffs roll around. Definitely. And they could even eventually looking at the schedule, because they're not gonna win the division. They could get to week sixteen, lock the if if everything goes right to win the next three games, they could lock the five seed knowing they can't win the division and then could rest everyone and use it as a mini buy and then they get to play you know the winner of the nfc least (laughs) i see what you did there yeah i thought you might (laughs) listen i gotta say it's been a really enjoyable hour i'm so glad that you've come on and and helped us here that to 300 i don't know sorry i haven't heard from stocks he must be having uh things with the boy but all good um massively appreciate hope to have you back on one day maybe in the off season where we can chat and review some of these but why don't you tell everyone that here at rush nation where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work, your podcast, absolutely everything, all the great work that you do. For sure, man. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Happy 300 to you and all the listeners. Uh, find me on Twitter at iHeart. It's I-H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. All work on PFF. I usually shoot out my articles and all the podcasts over there on the old Twitter sphere. But yeah, the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I bring you new episodes every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Got a lot of good ideas mm-hmm. already on the offseason. You know, we're talking fantasy, but to be good at fantasy, man, you got to know what's going on around the league. So I'm just trying to set up everyone for success with all the information that I have at my fingertips. And we'll have to try to have a little fun along the way so good talking to you man this was fun 
Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. You, it's someone on, I've wanted on my list for a while, and we haven't had as many guests on with COVID and and what's going on this year. It's we normally record recording Stocks' garage, which we turn into a lovely studio. Nice. Um, but we haven't done that for close to a year now because of COVID, which which stinks. But we are where we are, and uh, glad. I'm looking forward to the off season because there's so many people I want to get back on or on, and and you're out there. So I appreciate you accepting my invitation, and we'll do this again soon. Rush Nation, thank you for being with us. 300 episodes is just incredible. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow we've got even more podcasts dropping. We've got, um, you know, the Fast Action Friday. We've got the Matchups podcast, and we've also got DFS. We dropped, we've we stalled our entire pipeline just for this one podcast. So you're going to get three, maybe even, yeah, you're going to get three podcasts tomorrow, I think, so from us. So enjoy all of those. Thank you for sticking with us. Don't forget to check out our rankings. Check out all the content that all our writers putting out at Five Yard Rush. And until next time, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.